Hi, I'm Rail Bricker, and I'll be one of your hosts for the Business Excellence Podcast. Hi, and I'm Lindsay Adams. I'm the co-host. And together, we're going to be talking about what makes up business excellence. And we believe that you can never be perfect. All you can be is excellent. And in our businesses and in our lives, we want to achieve excellence. And that's why this is the Business Excellence Podcast. Welcome to today's edition of the Business Excellence Podcast. My name is Rail Bricker. And with me today is a special guest, a great friend of mine from Perth, Shul Shangavi. Welcome, Shul. Thank you very much, Rail. So, Shul, your, your LinkedIn profile has, has a whole lot of almost contradictory things on it. And let me explain what I mean by that. It says you're a public speaking specialist, a TEDx speaker coach. Those sort of make sense. You've done TEDx ATO Perth as a speaker. And then you do this virtual reality speaker training. So switching from what you know everyone sees as the sort of warm body stuff to virtual reality. Take me on the journey. What brought you to this public speaking in the first place? Public speaking is has always been and still is my greatest fear. And I've always had a crippling fear of being in front of people, being able to communicate and talk to people. And throughout my life in my career, there have been a, a catalog of events in my personal life and in my professional life that have put me off or have really scared me from speaking. And the reason that's occurred is because of my challenges with communication, which comes to my stutter. You might not be able to tell, or I might not sound like I have one now because I control it. And so my stutter and the fear I have in public speaking compelled me to pursue a career in public speaking because I thought to myself, if I can learn how to speak in public, I have to control my stutter. If I'm going to be in front of an audience, I have to learn how to speak clearly and control my fluency. So that's the major driving force, or rather the major driving forces behind why I got into public speaking. I mean, that's a, you know, it, it's almost like I'm, I'm afraid of heights, so I'm going to abseil off the top of a building. And, and it is one way of conquering your fear. But, but you've mentioned to me before, you spoke about the fear, that it's not about conquering it, it's about controlling it and almost using the energy of that fear. Correct. You know, people... People often speak about overcoming the fear of public speaking. And so a question that I get asked a lot is, what can you do to overcome that fear? And I personally don't believe the fear can be overcome. No matter how experienced you are, no matter how accomplished you are, all of us, we're human beings. And whether it's the before of a presentation or during a presentation or after, there's an element of the nerves and the fear that applies at different stages. For some people, professional speakers, they've been doing it for so long that perhaps they don't feel the fear as much, but there's still a nervous element to it. And if you, if, if you don't feel the nerves, if you don't feel the butterflies, then you don't care. I don't feel you care. And, and so you can't overcome it, but you can control it. And you use that energy, you convert it, you, cha you, you channel that energy into a way which works for you. And it's something you've been doing in your speaking career, right? 
Absolutely. And, you know, and that's exactly what I was going to say. Is I, I've been speaking, you know, from probably the mid-80s in Toastmasters all the way through to being a professional speaker and, and a certified speaking professional now. And what I've found is that although I don't identify it as fear, there's definitely an adrenaline rush. So, you know, it's the same, it's the same fight or flight syndrome that you have from fear that I get from excitement. It's the same feeling that, you know, when I walk onto a stage and I take three deep breaths when I get onto the stage and then I start speaking, I'm controlling the excitement, which is probably masking the fear because it's still there. And it's that that probably keeps me alive and me engaging with the audience as best I can. Well, you're controlling it. And how often in your career, as a professional speaker, you're, you're, you're well known around the country, you're a global entrepreneur. In your career, how often have you walked away from a speaking event and after that event thought, I hope people liked it. I wonder if that went down well. I wonder how well I performed or th there's, a, there's an element of, perhaps it's not a fear element. However, we think about how we perform and we think about what people thought about it, the way they digested that information. And so whilst I categorize everything into fear, for some people that might not be the word to use. Well, it's, I mean, a lot of people talk about it and, 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 and you and I were talking before the podcast about um, limiting beliefs. And so a lot of people actually have, you know, fear manifests itself as a limiting belief for them as well. And so, you know, people don't believe that they can speak. And, you know, people like yourself who are now speaker coaches, take them through the process to get rid of that limiting belief. So they still have the fear, but they, they no longer have the belief that it limits them anymore. Correct. And the, the limiting belief comes from fear of failure, fear of fear of people not respecting us, people uh, judging us for the things we say. I know speaking from my own experience and from working with so many different types of people that there's a fear of how we'll be perceived. Or perhaps if there are people in the room, whether the, the room has five people or 500 people, is there anybody in the room smarter than I am? And what will they think about the things I've said? And that then, tri it, it triggers off this anxiety in our minds, which causes the limiting belief. And, you know, there's a, there's a wonderful quote by Ralph Emerson, where he says, all the great speakers were bad speakers at first. Yeah. We all start somewhere, no matter how accomplished you are, we all start somewhere. And as you grow in experience and confidence, you learn to control that. You learn to control those emotions and you learn to control that fear. And it's not an overnight exercise. And I don't believe it ever completely goes away. Well, it takes a lifetime to be an overnight success, as they say. <laughs> Correct. So, so, sure, when I first met you a couple of years ago, we were guests on a BMW drive day. And talking of adrenaline, adrenaline, adrenaline rush, we had a great day and, and actually spent eight hours, you know, next to each other in the car, switching driver seats. Um, and, 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 and our friendships built ever since then. It was a little while after that, that you made the bold decision to leave the corporate world and 
start creating the chatterbox brand so you know what key strategy did you apply to creating this brand um, it's less than two years that you've been or just over two years now that you've been um, out there on your own promoting chatterbox so what what's the key strategy that you applied to it before I answer the key strategy question, let me just talk about the brand word that you use there. People talk about your personal brand. People talk about your business brand. And I think it's a word that's been overused. And I don't mean to disrespect what you've said. However, I don't, I don't call it brand. Instead, I like to call it your reputation. I like to call it the reputation you have personally and professionally and over time you you're building your reputation and so what the key strategies I use I suppose there were three very clear strategies I had in mind the first one was to leverage opportunities and I learned very quickly to leverage and that would mean if I'm going to a networking event or if I'm going to speak for free to a group of five people what can I do to leverage any speaking opportunity I have and build more from those opportunities. With those opportunities, the second strategy I had was converting no to yes. I wrote an article about this and I shared it on my LinkedIn. You see, people see the, the wonderful shiny things we post on our socials and I still were talking about this at the start of this, this podcast. And every time I heard no from people and there were plenty of no's, plenty. I was determined to convert that no into a yes. And so I would obsess over the way I dressed, the way I presented, the way I spoke. I would obsess about what people said about me when I wasn't in the room. There's a saying out there, it's who you know. Have you heard of that saying? Yeah, it's absolutely. Not yeah. what you know, it's who you know. Yeah. I don't even believe in that because to put it into perspective, I know Elon Musk, I know Barack Obama, but they don't know me. And so it's who knows you. And so I worked obsessively around who knew me. And so every time I would have an opportunity to present, every time I went to a networking event, I would, I would put myself in the most genuine and authentic way I can. And I would tell people that I'm, I'm scared of doing this, but I'm, I'm determined to do this. I have a stutter, and this is all part of the process for me to work through my stuttering. And in doing that, I got more people to know who I was, and then the no started to convert to yes. And the third strategy I had was to be absolutely clear with my messaging, very clear with it. So there was no ambiguity around what I wanted to do or where I wanted to position myself the, one of the most common questions we get asked when we go out to events and it's something you would talk about i call it a comfort question it's what do you do people love to ask what do you do and so my, my response to what do you do was very clear i specialize in public speaking i was very clear with the the messaging and the responses i gave because a combination of being clear enabled me to convert the no's to yes and enabled me to, to leverage every opportunity I had. And so those were the three key strategies I used to develop my reputation so quickly. And I must say, and your, 
you know, you, you, you've lived, breathed and slept your brand. And, and another famous, a famous speaker here in Australia was once asked, what was so hard about being himself? And he said, being my, being my brand, and we will debate the use of the word brand, but being my brand 24-7. And when I questioned him on that, for instance, he used the example of, you know, does he allow people to video him while he's talking? You know, clients that he's doing a, a speech for, and they're paying him, you know, twenty, thirty thousand dollars for a keynote. Does he allow them to record it and then put it out there on social media, internal, you know, whatever? And he said to me, the biggest problem with that is that he needs to make sure the quality of the video reflects his brand. Not yeah. that he cares about his content being out there, but it was about the quality of the of of being under his name. And that was his biggest concern about that. A hundred percent. And and I echo that. I I take I take great care and great pride in in everything about me. So my 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 diet, my mindset, my training process, I keep fit, I stay active. I'm very conscious of the conversations I have, of the impression I leave. And I'm not saying I do things or say things to try and be somebody else. However, real, this is the first time in my professional life that I've been 100% me. This is the first time in my professional life that I've allowed the vulnerabilities and the the weaknesses and the chinks in my armor. uh, They're they're out there for for, for everybody to see. And I learned how to get comfortable being uncomfortable. It's a phrase I use a lot. It's a phrase I use a lot because you need to be comfortable with being 100% you 100% of the time. Yeah, absolutely. And I, don't, and I think that shines through. You know, in all the people I meet that say, oh, yeah, I know, sure. And they do know who you are. Um, they all say, what a wonderful guy and such a genuine guy. And so, so interestingly, that, that work on integrity and and letting your integrity shine through all the time has been fantastic. So let me ask you, you mentioned networking in there. How does public speaking, how does, and, 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 and interestingly, you use the term public speaking a lot. Now, as, as a professional speaker, I guess you teach people as well, or coach people on how to speak in public, but you're also a professional speaker because you're also paid to speak to large groups of people. And so there's a, a distinction there. But for the average person, how does public speaking apply to networking and how important is it to be a good speaker? Public speaking is the term which is used because all forms of speaking are public speaking. Whether you're talking to one person over a cup of coffee or you've taken five clients out for lunch, or you're presenting to to a boardroom with 20 people, or at a networking event with 50, or at a conference with 500, it's all public speaking. And so when you step into a networking environment, you're stepping into a room with more than one person, five, 10, 50 people. And there's instances there where you end up speaking to groups of people. You end up speaking to people in public and for a lot of us and I say us because I fall in that category 
I get anxious when I step into a room full of oftentimes strangers and you have to work up the courage to go up to a group and introduce yourself and make conversation. And I feel the, the mindset, the tools, techniques, the strategies you have being a comfortable speaker, being a clear speaker applies to networking because you can approach a group of people. Somebody asks you for your name and what do you do? You have, you have a golden opportunity there to, to come across as somebody clear and confident and precise with the way you articulate your message. And sadly, if you don't, there was an interview I had with Professor Gary from AIMWA. And he mentioned in this interview, and I'm sure he's okay with me uh, saying this, even if we don't like it, people judge us by the way we speak. No, absolutely. Uh, it's you know, and it, it is, it is the, the 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 first impression. I mean, you know, you you feel, I guess, you know, you feel a level of sympathy, empathy for people who who can't speak or potentially have a have a have a have a disability that they physically can't speak and they find have to find other ways to communicate. But but speaking is the most natural way for most of us to communicate and. Therefore, you know, it does leave a lasting impression on, on who you are. Correct. And, and, and so the link with public speaking and the networking is there, I believe they're, they're more or less the same in terms of the emotion that we feel, in terms of the level of preparation that I put in. I prepare when I go to events. I don't just step into the room. I think about what I wear. I, I think about the amount of stubble I intend to have on my face. I think about the watch I wear, my shoes, the cologne I'm wearing. I think about who's, who's going to be in that room, the sort of questions that I might get asked and how I want to, how I'd like to respond to those questions. However, I don't want to sound like a robot when I talk to people. I want to sound like myself. Yeah. And so you need to get comfortable being uncomfortable doing that. And I feel the similarities and strategies with public speaking, whether you're presenting to a client, to a boardroom, or you're taking a bunch of clients out to lunch, the emotions and strategies still apply. I attended one of the first live events in Perth after lockdown, after you know the restrictions started being lifted from COVID. And that event was called The Game Changer, and it was run by yourself called Chatterbox well, by your business called Chatterbox. And it was the launch of a game changer in public speaking or public speaking training. Will you talk us through the process of getting to that point? Yeah, the, the process to get there started a year ago. So a year before that event was on, I thought about the idea. And the idea was born out of my fear of, of public speaking because I realized the problem I want to fix is isn't that we don't know what we want to say we know what we want to say it's the shock of being in front of an audience for a lot of people few people aspire to be professional speakers more people want to be stronger and more confident with speaking in general and presenting in general and what 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 the limiting factor for so many people is the fear and shock of being in front of an audience. And so how can we tackle that problem? 
where you can present to your family and friends, you can present to your work colleagues. Earlier on in the podcast, you mentioned Toastmasters. There are groups out there where you can go and present to people. But that's it. There are no other environments or platforms to present. And so that got me thinking. And the solution that I came up with was virtual reality. So why not combine technology with public speaking? Because the technology is being used for sports, for, for anxiety treatments. It's being used in so many different applications in the mining industry. And so the idea I had was why not build a platform where we can bring a nervous presenter or somebody who wants to improve their public speaking and presentation, why not bring an audience to them in a headset? And so I partnered with a software company, they built the platform and I launched the product. I launched the service and it went really well. And so we're currently in, in the process of upgrading the entire platform. So I ran my tests, it was well received. It, I'm, I'm the first one in Perth. To, to experiment with this sort of technology in public speaking. And so now we're upgrading the entire platform so that the avatars are more lifelike. There's different environments from stages to boardrooms to networking environments. And it's a form of what's called exposure therapy, where you expose people to a fear and then gradually they start to build the resilience to control that fear. However, this is done in a, in a new call it exciting game-changing environment where you can do this in the comforts of a studio and even if you bomb or fail or if you crumble or if you fall apart whatever you want to use as a word you, you can do it again with the reassurance that it's okay yeah that's i mean that's when when i saw you know when i was at the launch and i saw the launch and i understood absolutely the the, the impact that it will have on thousands and hundreds of thousands of people, hopefully for your business. The, uh, but, but what was interesting is, you know, my first reaction to it was, why are these people scared of an audience? And then I spoke to people and, the, and that was exactly it. They could speak to family and friends and potentially even speak to four people in a networking function, but put them in a formal environment with a lectern or with a stage and their, their heart rate goes off the, off the charts and they don't know how to cope with that, even though it's the same message that they're giving to one person and not 100 people. And, and that, your game changer, really changes the game in terms of conditioning them to that audience. Correct. And I have, I have a bunch of clients now who've been through it. I have a group of six now that I'm, that I'm doing some work with. And it's, people have contacted me just because they want to try it. And that's not the point is I'm, I'm not a, this isn't a VR technology service. This is an addition. This is a point of difference for Chatterbox with my coaching clients, where we go through the coaching process and say you've been asked to present to a client in two months. We go through the coaching process and then before the big day, before you present to your client, we have a couple of sessions in VR where you face an audience, you face a real life audience, practice, prepare, build the resilience, get the conditioning, as you said, before you need to face your actual, your, your client or your actual audience. So you, you mentioned a word in there and I actually, 
we, we're running out of time in, on this podcast, but I would really love to invite you back for another interview because we could keep talking for a few hours as we normally do when we catch up for a lunch or a coffee that ends up as being a whole chunk of our days and, and fantastic time. So you mentioned there about people doing presentations. So you're a, you're a, a, a public speaking coach. You've coached a lot of people. You still do. What three tips would you share with business owners or business managers or, or anybody who wants to improve their presentation ability? I'll summarize the three tips firstly with one line, and that line is get comfortable being uncomfortable. Okay. <laughs> Just do it. There are so many tips out there. The, the, the first one I can say is learn to control your breathing. We all breathe to live. However, there's a difference between everyday breathing and what I call systematic breathing. Learn to breathe systematically and time your speaking to the pace of your breath. Two, slow down. You know, we, we think at a rate of around four to 600 words a minute, and we speak at a, a rate of about 120 to 150 a minute, average. A motivational speaker, somebody who speaks fast can speak up to 200. So we're always trying to keep up with our thought process. And so we get caught up in that trap of speaking too fast. Slow down. And the third thing is always ask yourself why. And this is something I talk to my clients about a lot. Why should people pay attention to you? Why do you want them to listen to you? So... This isn't about your purpose or why you want to spread your message or spread your idea, but ask yourself, why should people, why should they listen to you? And when you really dig deep and answer that question, you find peace with the message you want to deliver. I hope that doesn't sound cheesy, but when you no, really dig Not at all. That's, that makes perfect sense. You, you have to, because if you're comfortable with why people are listening to you, then you are comfortable giving that message. Correct. And so thank you, Shul. If, uh, if our listeners want to learn more about Shul Shangavi, uh, speaker coach, VR speaking coach specialist, and all the other things you do, how is the, what is the best way of getting hold of you? You can email me, and my email is shil, S-H-I-L, at chatterboxps. All one word. So that's chatterbox, P for Peter, S for Sam, all one word, dot com dot au. You can add me onto LinkedIn. I'm quite active on my LinkedIn platform. And you can go to my website, which is www.chatterboxps.com.au. Thank you, Shil. It's been an absolute delight and pleasure having you as a guest on the Business Excellence Podcast. This is Rail Bricker signing off for this edition of the Business Excellence Podcast. We look forward to seeing you on the next episode of the Business Excellence Podcast.